Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sat down with Kyle McMahon and Andy Campbell from TractorZoom. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. In this episode, Casey, Kyle, and Andy review what happened in the auction market in August, particularly when it comes to used combines, and once again reference this summer's Big Sinclair tractor auction, which Casey notes introduced a lot of new machines that we haven't previously been seeing in the auction market. He says that sale helped solidify the bottom of the market, and the next two big dealer auctions this summer did the same thing. I've got the guys from Tractor Zoom on here and Iron Comps, and we're going to take a look at what's going on here in August. And what we saw in August was a very large amount of combines get sold. I think 503, I think, is what Kyle told me. And I was guessing right around 500, so my rough math in my head wasn't too bad going along the way. So before we get too further down the road, though, Kyle, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Glad to be on here. Man, thanks for being on. And why don't you introduce who you got with you here? Yeah, wonderful. I'm sure some of the listeners have heard Casey and I talk about what we see in the auction market. And today I brought Andy Campbell on, our director of marketing. And truth be told, Andy's the one that's right pulled all my slides in the past. You do not. And so I said, all right, Andy, it's, it's, it's time for you to get on here because he's super passionate about this stuff too. Hopefully we don't go too far down in the weeds to his data science and mathematical calculations, but happy to have Andy on here. We'll try to stay out of the weeds as much as we can. That's good, man. I'm glad you guys are on here, Andy, and glad to finally meet you. I've seen your stuff pop back and forth around as we've had a chance to interact with each other via email and stuff I've seen you post on social media. So I'm looking forward to what you have to offer here. Good deal. Yeah. Are we good to start diving in right now? Yeah, real quick. Why don't you outline what it is that you do for Iron Comps Tractor Zone? Sure. So like Kyle said, official title is marketing director. And what I get to do a lot of though is kind of data storytelling. So I grew up in a farm in Northern Iowa. And uh, now with the vast TractorZoom database, I get to use a little bit of the data analytics that I picked up over the years and uh, kind of make sense of everything that I used to see growing up on the farm uh, that I still see when I go back and help my dad on the farm. And then uh, really kind of tell a story around all that. So tons of data in here. You can slice it up and dice it up almost any way. And Kyle and I were running through some of it yesterday. And even just yesterday, we were finding new insights and getting all excited about uh, what we're pulling up. So yeah, there is just a ton of stories to tell with this data. Yeah, what I think is really cool is so we're using this thing called Microsoft Power BI, a business intelligence tool, which helps us analyze all of the data that we have coming through. As Casey mentioned, yeah, we saw over 500 combines selling this August. I think we saw 500 and some odd total auctions and just a massive amount of inventory that flew through. So it's a lot of fun for us to be able to sit down and get through the data. And so today, Casey called us and said, hey, let's go over the combine market. Let's see what's happening. Kind of a recap of August, what happened in the combine market. So with that, Casey, if you're cool with it, I think we go ahead and kind of move through some of these slides and let Andy lead the conversation. Yep. So real quick, I want to throw this out there. So this was one of those months, August was a month that I wanted to pay a lot of attention to because as you're getting ready to see, there was a lot of not just well, there was just a lot of combines. There wasn't a whole lot of other machines out there that got sold on the volume scale that we saw combines get. So I was very curious to watch that sell through those August months and what's the ultimate kind of outcome going to be. And this is the great thing about what Iron Comps does as well as what see on TractorZoom as far as the listings go. But the Iron Comps stuff, this is really the meat and the potatoes of what I like to see happen on a day-to-day basis with this data that we get. So I'll shut up and let Andy go, but this is kind of nerd down here a little bit, but this is going to be some good stuff. Also, before we get started, 
If you remember last August of 2019, naturally 2019 had its own set of challenges, but we saw a huge spike in combine inventory come to the auction market yep. last August. Yep. It got even bigger. Just to, before we get going, all the data that you're going to see here comes from the 435 auction companies that are partners and advertise on TractorZoom. So if you're looking for upcoming auctions, go to TractorZoom.com. And then if you're looking for historical data of what's going on in the market trends, go to ironcomps.com. Yep. So like Casey and Kyle said, I mean, we saw 503 combines go through in August. And I remember when Kyle and I were talking, we did a webinar back in July. And we were wondering if a little bit of the heavy July season was going to rob a bit from August, even though our auction success team was talking about they anticipated a big month coming up. They didn't know how big. And so, yeah, this double almost of what we saw last August. So a huge month. And then really kind of what I want to get into today is three parts. So the first one, talking a little bit about the relationship between the price and how SEP hours drive that price, but then overall, just the trend that we've been seeing. So it's happened up to August, how August has affected that and just the trend in the overall combine market. Then we're going to dive into a little bit of comparison, a little red versus green, looking at John Deere and Case IH. And then in the final bit, I pulled together some uh, manufactured years. So looking at age of equipment, not necessarily by step hours, but by looking at just how old the machines are, when they were made, and you find a couple of neat nuances with some machines that are made in the past three to four years, and then a different trend, it seems like, in the last 10 years. So kind of got to split up into a few different sections, but diving into maybe the most recent and talking about some of these trends on the top is just a graph, just like we saw, except with a lot of the data that we pulled for this conversation, we took combines that were just over $50,000. So got a lot of combines that are selling for under $50,000 some in the $10,000 range, probably for parts. So we didn't want to include those in this analysis. And so yeah, just keep in mind, everything that you're going to see from this point on is 50K and above sales, which to still sell, I think that's 188 up there in August. They're above 50K. So a lot of good pieces of machine move. So Casey, I'm really curious to see kind of your analysis of this. One of the things that I see from the data that's right in front of us, and I know some of the podcast listeners may not be able to see this, go to Casey's YouTube channel to look at these slides. August 2019, we saw 108 combines sell over 50,000. A year later, August 2020, we saw 198. So almost a 100% increase in combines. Look at the average price over August 19 versus August 20. An increase of, uh, what's that, $20,000 from 130 to almost 150000 But what's unique, I thought, is the average SEP hours. So if you look at the quality it brought to market, the average SEP hour in August of 2019 is roughly that maybe 1300 But the average SEP hour in August is all the way down to probably 1200 or 1100 so a big discount in the average SEP hours that's brought to market. So my assumption from that is better quality. What are your thoughts? I've thought about this a lot. The three big sales that we watched, you had the Sinclair sale, you had Mariah Pro sale up in Ohio, and then you had Sullivan's two-day deal that they had. And between the two of them, I think there were, going off memory here, about 60 combines on Sinclair's auction. There were 45 or so on Ag Pro's deal, and that escapes me. I don't remember the number on uh, Sinclair's two-day deal, but it was up there. There's like 40 some combines. And I think to me what the difference between those three big sales were compared to what we've seen up to this point was everyone was taking the 2012, 
2014, 2013 model stuff to auction, and they were all the same. Everybody had something with 1,500 hours on it, had 1,200 hours on it, those kind of things, separator hours, type of deal. Those three cells brought in a wide variety of machinery that was under 1,000 separator hours in some cases. We had a lot of 500-hour machines. We had a lot of 250-hour machines. I want to say the Ag Pro cell had some 660s. If I remember correctly, they had like 250 separator hours on them. I think what they did that was different about those two sales compared to what we've seen up to that point was they had obviously a large inventory of under 500 hour machines and they took them and they rolled the dice on those to see what they could make happen. And it was something that the auction market hadn't seen up to that point. So it brought in those buyers thinking that they're going to get some kind of a sweet deal on a machine at auction. And those two didn't have that. They didn't have that quote unquote sweet deal that you would see. Most of those were bringing some pretty strong retail numbers comparatively to what out there. So I guess as I look at what you have here, I think it was the quality, the lower hour machines that have come to the market here of late. A lot of those are two-year-old machines that are uh, probably coming up on a year, year and a half birthday, and they're looking at what they're going to do to get rid of them. I think they knew the outcome of the 2012 S. 670 with 1500 separator hours on it was going to bring somewhere between 65 and 85,000 bucks, depending on how it was set up. So I think they kind of knew what that was going to be and may or may not have had an appetite to do that comparatively to where they're at, thinking that maybe these other machines are coming in. And my hat goes off to the guy that sold and they understand the market. And I'm sure there was some coaching that went into that and some back and forth on what they wanted to get where. And they did a great job with it. But getting lightning to strike once is hard enough, much less three times. And I think we kind of saw the fall off there towards the end of the month that some of those sales with the number of machines that have been hit the market at that point. And I really think that's where you're starting to see like in your middle graph there, your average price, how it really kind of starts to peaks way up there at the end. And it starts has a pretty rapid drop off there towards the end of that. And it kind of, I think that's what we were seeing in that August timeframe is that, yeah, combine value started to go up, but simple supply and demand, when you flood the market with something sooner or later, it's going to have an adverse effect on pricing. So you think that uh, this big glut that hit the market in August was a lot of people trying to kind of replicate what happened at the Sinclair auction? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I mean, that Sinclair auction thing, I was terrified of what was going to happen with that. I thought, man, this is all we need right now is to have this kind of volume hit the market in one day. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be this massive reset of the marketplace. And I, I watched it in... The one thing I didn't take into consideration, though, was, and that's a shame on me for not doing that, was what they put in it. It wasn't the run of the mill stuff. It was stuff we hadn't seen before. And you could tell where the thirst for hours were by how those machines sold for. And I really believe that they actually helped prop the market up. Not necessarily like values went up or anything like that, but it really solidified that bottom. And I think that's what we saw with that sell. And the next two sells after that, we really, they kind of repeated each other. There wasn't a, the up and down that you would see and the typical market wasn't there. It was pretty consistent. There wasn't any real big surprises until we got to the end of the month. And at the end of the month, there was a few surprises. Machines that just like that, that had sold in the previous three auctions of volume brought 10 to 15% less than those three did. So kind of reset itself there a little bit, had a bit of a correction there at the end. Hmm. Well, on that note, Kyle and I were talking a little yesterday on the direction that everything was going. And we looked a little bit more month over month and year over year instead of just that fatigue at the end of August. But one thing for the listeners that aren't able to look at the slides right now, we do see a month over month general trend up in this average price. 
that's what you'd expect, especially since on the step hours, it's a lot more slight, but that the trend line is actually down. And so we've seen some of these younger machines hit the market, which what we were just talking about. The Sinclair auction brought some that were just 400 step hours. And so you expect that to bring a little bit higher price and drive that price trend up. But then Kyle and I were talking yesterday on that trend up on price. How much of that is actually due to these younger machines in the market? And so that's what we tried to flesh out. How much of that, that increased price can be attributed to the younger machines? And then how much of it is just the fact that the farmers may be willing to pay more for combines just overall? Or is there something else driving the market? So we got into a little bit of that level of detail. And so what we've got and what we're showing right now is a little bit more of a granular level detail on combine values over the last couple of years. A dot represents a sale. And if you're looking at the graph, you can see auction dates that are hidden. I mean, they're just thick lines of these combines being sold in one day or in one weekend. You can literally see the Sinclair auction. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like that's that auction. 75 combines sold in one day. Yep. Yep. So we took the trend line of this, which is the same trend line that we had on the previous one, but we actually graphed it and uh, came up with a rough average equation of the fact that day to day, the average uh, combine value is increasing $45, which uh, I think that comes out to about sixteen, seventeen thousand $17,000 a year is what on average combine values are increasing. So we dove into this, but then also took a look at those SEP hours. And like I said, it's negative. It's just slightly negative though, to the tune of you got a negative 0.033 per day, which doesn't really make any sense until you take that into a year. And on average, combines are getting a little bit younger, driven largely by Sinclair here and those three other major auctions, dealer auctions that happened in August. They're really pulling that average down to about the tune of about 12 step hours a year from 2020 versus 2019. So getting a little bit younger. But this is really where Kyle and I started diving into the weeds and geeked out a little bit yesterday and brought back a couple of the old uh, math classes. But then we started saying, okay, what is this relationship between step hours and price? And Casey, I don't know if you've dove into this before, but essentially it's not quite linear. When you drive a combine off a lot, the first few hundred hours are going to depreciate and change that value different than when you're talking 2,000 to 2,500 hours. Right. So you see that price change. Yep. And so we kind of tried to fit a best fit line to this thing that represented that and found it a fairly good, decent one. But with this, what we really tried to do is, okay, we found a decent line that represents how combines are depreciating based on SEP hours. And these are all the combines out there, again, that are over $50,000 that have been sold. But we went and took this sucker and got to probably what is the coolest chart, but also the not coolest. Most confusing. Like right, exactly. Plain Jane, just a little bit of a table here. But what we found out, and I'll narrate this again for people that can't see it is average 2019 prices for combines that are over 50k was $100,000 in 2020. And this is only quarter one, two, and three. I took out quarter four just because we haven't experienced it yet in 2020. So I didn't include quarter four. 2019. But in 2020, average price through the three quarters is 118000 So that year-over-year price change is about 17000 increase. And then I took that neat little curve that we just made on the last one. And I said, okay, based on everything that sold in the last couple of years, um, just fully based on their step hours and that equation that we came up with for that line, what should those prices have been? And came up with in 2019, should have been 96000 a little bit lower than the actual 100. And in 2020, should have been 107000 quite a bit lower than the 118. That's a 10% increase. So essentially what this is telling us is that the younger machines that we saw in 2020, they should account for about a 10% increase in price. But what farmers are actually paying 
at auction is 17% higher. So there's 7% out there, 7% premium from 19 to 20 that farmers are paying that's not due to sub hours. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of put simply. So Andy has been able to run some data science models and uh, some different power curves within that data science. And what he's effectively done is adjusted 2019 to 2020 based on, he's adjusted based on separator hours. So condition brought to the market. And what he's saying and what the data is showing is a 10% stronger combine market in 2020 than 2019 when you adjust for hours. Okay. So you're saying separator hour for separator hour. So just something that's got 500 separated hours on it versus something that's got 500 separated hours on it a year later is worth 10.4% more. Just so I understand this correctly. Right. Okay. Uh, it actually be the difference between the two. So about seven percent more. Oh, okay, seven percent more. Okay. Well, that makes yep. sense because if you look at two things, one is there is a lack of machines that are on. I guess how was that? The number of machines that sold at auction in 2019 that were under X number of hours, say 500 separator hours, compared to 2020. I think the last graph you showed there was a exponential. It was almost double. Is that right? Yeah. The young yeah. ones that were being sold. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the proportion is, but a lot more younger ones being sold this August than previous previous August. I think right now guys are just looking at they're at that point now where the, the need to update their machine to something different is getting, for some guys, and that's not for everybody, but some guys are looking at it as I've got five years in this machine. I'm typically two or three years, and then I get, you know, I roll to a different combine. I start looking at my hours and cost of operation and all those things. I start playing it. There are more people looking to update equipment in 2020 than there has been in any other year that I've looked at because, quite frankly, there shouldn't be anybody. I mean, there's nothing. If you look at the marketplace, like there's no reason for someone to be looking at buying equipment right now. I mean, with a commodity prices are, but people sure are doing it. I think what they're doing is they're looking at efficiencies, they're looking at downtime in the field, they're looking at repair costs, they're looking at cash flow, those kind of things. There, there's a lot of good things you can do to kind of offset some payments and cash flow repair costs and those kind of things by looking at getting to a different machine. I think that's driving the market right now more than anything. Yeah, because I've got some slides a little bit later too that indicate something like that, at least in the last four to five years, maybe up to like six or seven years, that the people are cycling through those newer machines more often, but then you've got people that like to hold on to the machines and that turnover seems to be a lot less. Yep. So that cycling through it to avoid those repair costs or to minimize those makes sense. And that could be a big driver in this. There's a key driver. Something you guys might take a look at too is when you start getting to 500 hours, what does that look like? And then 750 hours, what's that look like? And then what does 1,000, 1,500 hours look like? Because those are some key reconditioning points on a combine as far as where expensive repairs come into play is usually in that time frame. So you might uh, you might take a yeah. look at that and see what that looks like on your graph. Yeah, we might even be able to flesh that out not exactly a little bit later, but maybe based on the years that they've been in the field, I'll come back to that one. Because I think that might explain a question that I've got later based on the manufactured year. Okay. Okay. So moving on from this, Kyle and I talked a little bit about diving into a little red versus green and just a quick snapshot of John Deere's S680, their S670 in case IH's uh, 8230. And really kind of high level look at what they're bringing in the market. Fairly comparable. And again, you'd expect the 680 to be higher than the 670. Uh, and they also have quite a few models that are sold, the 80 to 30, quite a few less, but kind of splits the difference in the value there. So the S670 is selling for 120000 on average, the 8230 is selling for 133000 on average, and then the S680 is 144000 on average. And what's that look like from the usage, Andy? 
from the usage standpoint, they are close. SX70 probably edges them out here a little bit with 1,264 hours on average. SX80 is just under 1,200 hours. And then the 8230 is, again, just a little bit behind that with 1,186 hours on average. So really comparable. I mean, SX70 having a little bit more hours maybe makes sense. It's got to run more hours or more ground. I'm not quite sure. What's your take on that, Casey? Every time we look at this SX70 versus the SX80, mm-hmm. S670s always have more set powers on them. And more of them out there. I mean, I think there's more S670s out there that are still running in the field. In 2012 and 13, that were the, it's not been till like 14 where you really started seeing the swing in the amount of Class 8 combines that were getting sold comparatively. I mean, usually it was always Class 7 and it, a 670 was always the first one to the table. But now you start looking at those two units next to each other and they're starting to kind of almost get to a, a little bit of a parity between the two. So I just think there's more S670s in the field uh, that, have, that are still working and there are S680s. And so I think it's probably just the number of machines would be my guess. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know too if the F670 has to run the stuff hours longer. They can't go as fast as S680, but I don't know the difference between the two of them. That wouldn't be true. I mean, there's going to be a little more capacity on an S680. Um, You're going to be able to do 25% more, I think, something like that, than a S670, which I guess if you did the math on those two, just real quick, the hour range, what's that look like? You got 11.95 divided by 12.64. So that's, uh, what, five and a half percent. So there's probably something to that. And I guess that's a good point. But it's just the capacity is a little better on the 680 than the 670. Yeah. Maybe you guys are saying, oh, I don't need to buy the S680, spend the extra money. I'll just get by with the 670. But then you just look at ending up having to stay in the field a little bit longer. Yep. That'd be an interesting analysis that we could do between the two of those. Because even on the next slide here, well, I guess two slides from now, this is an interesting one. This is the number of um, or proportion of these that are out being sold in the market right now. So like S670s, cool. yeah. S680s, kind of on par with each other. I think they're in the 160s that have been sold roughly. But then you've got 20% of that is what the case has been sold. And from all standards purposes, it looks to be a very comparable machine, but just significantly fewer of those being sold in the market. Yeah. But this one, again, if you're looking at the graph, it looks scattered. So it's maybe better that you're not looking at the graph if you're just listening to the podcast. But the darker blue is your S680s, the John Deere greens, S670s, and then the red sprinkled in there. There's obviously the case of H. Again, what you see on that, that blue is it does bring a little bit more of a premium. It kind of sits higher here. Per separator hours, it's bringing a higher price. Mm -hmm. But like Kyle said, once machines get older, you know, this anything really from 2000 up, maybe even 1500 and up on those step hours, really a whole lot of parity between these two machines. Hard to compare the uh, 8230 with the rest of them just because it hasn't been run nearly as long. There's not enough data points out there. But the 670, S680, once they get old, looks like they're treated close to the same. Pretty crazy seeing some of these 670s and 80s being run to five to 7,000 step hours. <laughs> yeah, we've looked at a few of those. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah there's, uh, they're putting hours on them for sure. Nice. So uh, the last section that we did, remember I said we were going to split up into looking at trends and looking at uh, red versus green, and then just started to pull a little bit of these combine values, but based on the manufactured year. And so what year did OEM put it out? And then how many of these are we actually seeing at market? And so again, if you can't see the screen right now, essentially what you see is a classic bell curve that's going on with a lot of the majority of these machines that are being sold now and being sold in last year were produced in 2012. 2013, almost 2014. Yep. Local those machines. But Casey, you mentioned that earlier too, that you're seeing a lot of these 
Like this is the typical combine that hits the market, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, those three years were the largest production year for uh, farm equipment in like 20 or 30 years. So and every manufacturer across the board, they were putting machines together in the parking lot. So they were getting them out as fast as they could. So there's a ton of those three model years across the board. There's just a ton of them out there. And your graph shows up. Right. That explains it. It'll be interesting to see as we age a little bit. Is this like the big that moves through the snake and that continues to be the bubble as it goes? Or will it shift up a little bit? Because it makes sense that things that are seven years old are hitting the market right now because if people want to trade them in. Right. But uh, that'll be interesting as it ages and moves a little bit to the left. Casey, the other question I had for you, I mean, these are legitimate sales down here. Mm-hmm. I think that's a 1991, a 95 combine that's sold in the last couple of years for over 50K. Yeah. That seems ridiculous. Well, I mean, in this is how long is this? Last two years or last year? Yeah, just in the last couple of years. Last since, couple of years. Uh, January 2019. So if you had a 2000, which would be, what, a 50 series? That'd be, depending on the hours, I mean, I could see it bringing... 50 grand, 55,000, just depending on what it was. Now, uh, 1990, 96, 10, or a 1995, 96, 10, or 9,600, I guess, would be bringing 50 grand. I, I don't know. That's one of those ones that some guy found in the barn and it's got like two and a half hours yeah. on it. Machine repeat shows up and does this whole show about how uh, the guy forgot he had it in his shed for 50 years and then he opened the door and there it was. So, yeah, that's probably what that is. I just can't imagine that there's. Most of those machines have got like 6,000 hours on them, 7,000 hours on them. I just got a ton of hours on them. Okay. So the next graph then gets a a little bit to that point, plus what we talked about earlier. Then this is the average price of combines that are being sold in the last couple of years, but based on the year that it was manufactured. And so if you really start all the way to the right, closest to 2020, you're seeing combines that were manufactured in 2019 are going for north of 300K. Again, very low step hours. That makes sense. I'll bet a lot of those were Sinclair or some of these dealer auctions, but you start to drop down significantly and fast. So things are sold in 2018 have quite a bit less value. 2017 probably are sitting around two and a quarter, $220,000. But everything that was manufactured in 2015 up to 2019 has this really steep curve. So just the the sharp curve right here that as it gets a little bit older, you're losing quite a bit more value for whatever you're paying for it at auction. But once you hit this sweet spot, somewhere around that glut, that 2013 time period, 2014 maybe, it levels off. It doesn't follow the same linear pattern. And so you get this flattening right here. And it seems to happen around 2013, 2014. So my question to you was, is this just a matter of what we saw earlier with those step hours? There's not a lot of difference between a 1500 step hours, 2000 step hours or 2,500 step hours mm-hmm. or this inflection point that you have around 2012, 2014, does that have anything to do with the change in the engine and the deaf fuel standards? Of people not yeah, I think there's some effect. of that. There might be some of that deaf fuel thing, but I think to your earlier point that a buyer is more worried about, they might want a 680, they might want a 670, but they're really more concerned about the number of hours than they are anything else. So they want a thousand hours. And if it's a 670 or a 680 or 2330 or 80 2230 or uh, 8240 or whatever it might be, they're more concerned about at a certain age. When it gets to about 12, 11, 10 in that area, if that's when you really start seeing guys paying attention to the hours are way more important than what the machine is. And I think that's where you're kind of seeing that leveling off there in those years. Def does make a big deal. I mean, there's still some folks out there that won't buy a machine final tier four engine. They want a interim tier four or a tier three engine and they want, but the thing about it is they want 1500 hours on a tractor. It's a tier three engine. And at this point, that's a 10 year old tractor. It's hard to find that. Not that it doesn't exist, but it's just hard to find. Uh Uh-huh. 
And to answer your question, I, at least on this graph, I can't mm -hmm. tell you what these models were, but whoever bought that in 1991, that 95, they wanted um, it $100,000 for them. So yeah. who knows what that is? Mm -hmm. Somebody really wanted that particular rig. So they paid for it. We added it to the collection like John Kinzenbar or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And the last one that I was pulling and messing around with just looks at average number of step hours that are put on machines that were manufactured in all these different years. So Again, still the x-axis is the same as it was last time, looking at things as recently as produced in 2019. But four things that are produced in 2019 that are sold at auction had an average of just shy of 300 step hours on it. And then the things you produced the year before, a little over 400 step hours on it. And I didn't know from this graph how to make sense of it and what you thought, Casey, because you've got some common trends here, maybe like I said, in the last seven years where it looks like you're putting anywhere from 100 to 200 step hours on a lot of these machines year over year. But once you start to get to like 10-year-old machines that are sold at auction, this is what I don't get. Like things that are produced from 2010 earlier, they're coming to auction with, on average, the same amount of step hours, 1,500, 1,600, 1,700 step hours. I would have totally expected these older machines to continue to also rack up 100 to 200 step hours every year, not to flatline. Mm -hmm. So I think when I look at this and kind of what I've seen happen is that the machines get the most use year over year as they're newer. The guy's going to put 250, 400 separator hours on them. And then as they kind of go through their lifespan and they become a little bit cheaper, then you start running into guys that are going to put less hours a year on a machine than the guy that bought it brand new just because of the acres they run or whatever it might be. So I see some correlation there. That makes sense from what I see. You know, as I look at this, I also wonder how much of this graph is attributed to as the machines get older, uh, maybe farms are starting to scale. And so what they do is they buy a second combine mm -hmm. or they have two combines that they're ending up running so that they're not putting as many hours on the. Maybe they have a 9770 and then they've also got a S770 that they're running. And that 9770, they're just not using as much, but they're still running both of those combines. So then you have the average hours split between the two machines. Yeah, there's some of that. I think you still have some of that. There might be a little bit of that backup combine mentality of I'm not going to get much for it. So I'll just keep it and run it to the wheels fall off mentality and just use it as a backup type of thing. But I think a lot of this is just attributed to the fact that as, as machines get older, they get cheaper. And the guy that buying those older, cheaper mm -hmm. machines just doesn't have the same number of acres that someone that's yep. got 6,000 acres of corn to cut and he's got 1,500 acres of corn to cut. So it's a big right. difference in uh, the number of hours are going to run. So And it just probably goes to your last slide of, okay, as you look at from 2010 to 2004, the average step hours is pretty flat. So is right. the depreciation as you look at the average price and you naturally start to correlate those two of why you don't continue to see the depreciation as quickly as the new machines. Right. Average hours a year aren't the same. Yeah. And I didn't think about this till now, Casey, but this would be interesting and really useful, I would think, for your dealers, at least with my marketing hat on, mm -hmm. I'm seeing a complete segmentation of two different types of customers. So you've got the ones that you talked about earlier that are going and wanting to trade in every couple of years to get the newer machine. Maybe it's to reduce the uh, wear and tear, keep the repair costs low, but they're probably also, at least by look at this graph, they're high acreage farmers. And so they've got that acreage they're putting on 200, 300 step hours every year. But then you've got this different subset in a marketing world. It's persona of farmers that are essentially, they're not going to trade in that combine 
until it's 10 years old. Like they've got right. that in their mindset and it looks here that they're consistently running a combine to 1,650 hours. It's 10 years old and then they'll trade it in. And there's just a steady stream of them happening year after year that are doing that. And so at least from my standpoint and looking at this from a marketing angle and kind of trying to segment my customers, it certainly looks like you got that high trade in, constantly getting a new machine every few years in this early set, but they're high acres and you can almost figure out how many acres they're doing a year. And then you got the second set of smaller farmers, family farm that have a set number of acres. And it looks to be that 10 year mark that they're saying, okay, this is when I, in my mind, I'm trading in a combine at the 10 year mark and they're doing a very steady amount of acres. Yeah. I think that there could be some of that too, but uh, by the time a one-year-old machine goes through um, a 10-year life cycle. It's probably had two or three different owners along the way. And there's kind of a roll cycle. I think most guys are looking at their combine as a five-year asset that they want to keep around for five years and then trade it off. And then there's a three-year mindset and there's a one or two-year mindset that kind of goes into play. There's I still think it's just as these machines get older and they go through the trade cycle and they go through their life cycle, they're getting traded down to a smaller farmer who's just doing less acres. And that's why you don't see like the big jump there between, I guess that'd be 19 and 18 from 292 to 427. And then you look at the 2016, I guess, right there would be just slightly above that. So then if you look at 16, 15, 14, if you look at how those work, those are all, a lot of those guys still have the same machine for when it's brand new. And they just, they keep putting the same 200 hours a year on it type of thing. And they've done that for five years and just haven't traded it. And if you look at where 2010 is and then how that falls off to 11 and 12 and 13 and even 14 a little bit, but those uh, 11, 12 and 13 model years, the hours are with like within like 10 hours of each other on average. So that kind of shows you that they've kept those same machines and they've ran those same machines and they're looking at me or may not. The majority of those machines are just now hitting the marketplace from when they were bought new off the farm. So there's a steady number of hours that got put on those consistently as you, as you can kind of see that there's a consistency there that you don't see across the board anywhere else so right yeah for future analysis i mean you mentioned the one the three the five year trade life cycle but also the reconditioning points of 500 750 1000 1500 that'll be interesting i'll have to dive into that and start to segment that data out see how those combines behave differently yeah from the data we pulled uh, that's kind of what we have at least for this go round right on that's good stuff man this is the one thing i like about what, what you guys do there at iron comps and the data that you collect and that you pull is that you can really get really granular into what you're looking at and really dive into that from a used equipment management perspective and what that looks like and how things are stacking up year over year and those kind of things. So hats off to you for the good data that you guys are putting together. Thanks for uh, letting me be on the podcast. This is enjoyable to be able to share this stuff. Hey, no problem. So before we go, Casey, you're naturally a Iron Comps user. You and the 21st Century uh, John Deere group use Iron Comps. And one exciting thing that we've had, the opportunity to do is be able to leverage that same software that dealerships and banks are using professional level all across the country as we have a new pricing tier that's called Iron Comps Insights. Uh, maybe if for listeners are farmers or machinery buyers themselves, but maybe not to the capacity of a dealer, they can actually get access to this as well at a new pricing tier of $299 a year subscription. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to offer your listeners a discount. Is that okay? Yeah, I'd love to give people a discount. That'd be great. <laughs> Have my name attached so, to that. That'd be great. So Casey, we created a promotion code for all the listeners on Moving Iron called, it's just pretty simple. It's Moving Iron. And if any of the listeners subscribe for a limited time, do you subscribe to Iron Comps? You get $75 off your subscription to this data that can help you make better data-driven decisions. Just go to ironcomps.com. And when you sign up for Iron Comps Insights, 
we get 75 bucks off. It's a brand new product and we're starting to see some good uptake from the market. That'd be good to offer your listeners that. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm sure they will too, because if you're not using iron comps guys and you're out there, even if you're a bank, if you're a dealership, if you're an equipment jockey, whatever you are, and you're not using this data to look to help value your equipment or at least see trend lines starting to develop and what's going on out there. I highly recommend it because uh, like I said, he said, we use it what we do every day and the data that we pull from that, it's a great way for us to do that. And the thing about it too is just on the tractor zoom side, if you take a look at all the stuff that's going on in the upcoming auction market, just saw 500 combines sell in August. If you take a look at what's going on in September, October, November, December, stuff that's coming down the pike already, there's a fair amount of them still out there to come and there'll be more added to that as we we get closer and closer to these 30-day deadlines with these auction companies each month. And if you take a look at all the online auctions and then all the live auctions and everything is out there, there's a massive amount of equipment being sold at auction right now. And I said it for the past three years that the auction market is going to be a bigger tail in what happens in the retail marketplace as the price of equipment gets more and more expensive. And we're starting to see that right now. This is definitely one of those systems where the amount of volume that goes to these auctions is a direct correlation to what we see happen in the retail marketplace. It's there now. So if you're not using this system, you need to be using this system because it helps you predict what's out there and then also analyze what's happened. So again, hats off to you guys. I've been a big fan of what you're doing for a long time, long before you're part of the podcast. So like I said, just thanks for what you're doing and the information you're putting out. Well, happy to be a part of it. We love educating and being able to see this data transparency is really cool in our opinion. So really appreciate you having us on the podcast. And again, if any of the listeners want to use the same software that Casey and his team are using at their dealerships, making decisions from a professional level, just go to ironcomps.com. Use the promo code MOVINGIRON to get 75 bucks off. And that's only for a limited time, so you have to act fast. Right on. Well, guys, I appreciate that. And Kyle, what's the best way to get a hold of you? And Andy, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, again, go look at the upcoming auctions at TractorZoom.com. Go to use all the analysis we just went through at ironcomps.com. Reach out to me on LinkedIn pretty frequently. My cell phone, anybody wants to just call me and catch up, whatever. 641-919-5953. Right on. I'm the same. I've got my email on the screen. Let me know if you got any report questions on this or always looking for new topics for analysis to do. So feel free to email me at acampbell at trackazoom.com. Connect on LinkedIn. Thanks, Casey. I right, appreciate it, guys. So I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as YouTube. If you like what you see here, subscribe to my YouTube channel and smash the like button. guess that's what you're supposed to say now. That's what all these YouTubers are saying. So check that out and see what you got going on there. I, I really appreciate everyone that's been a part of this podcast over the years. So thank you very much. The Moving Iron Summit's coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. That would be January 20th through the 22nd. If you're a dealer and you want to come to that, reach out to me via my website at movingironllc.com and you get all the information there and I'll get you signed up. Thanks, Casey, Kyle, and Andy. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash expert. Submit a question, and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Ask the Expert blog. And then you can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey, Kyle, and Andy, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.